Hello, I'm Hannah Jenna. And I'm Rachel Johnson, and welcome to Before and After, a body image podcast. We are here to discuss our ideas, perceptions, and beliefs about how we look and how we see others. We'll be looking at research and trends in the world of fitness and nutrition, as well as looking at our own biases related to body image and busting some persistent myths that abound in advertising and on social media. We hope to reach and captivate audiences of all ages and gender. So please help us out by subscribing and sharing. And if you like what you hear, we would very much appreciate you leaving us a review. Happy listening. Hello, everybody. We are here. Episode 39. It's the podcast episodes are almost as old as me. Almost as old as us. Um. So this one, we are on a slight bit of a time crunch. So we're going to maybe, maybe make this one a little shorter. Well, maybe not. We'll see how it goes. Um, interesting thing, though. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and it's actually a guy who was hosting it, and he was talking about the first time he ever, like, became aware of, like, having a big nose. Like, up until that point in life. I think he mentioned it some, hmm. sometime in high school. And he had no awareness whatsoever that his nose was considered big until a classmate was like, Damn, dude, your nose is huge. And then he went home... <laughs> And he looked in the mirror and was like, oh, wow, yeah, I guess that just happened. That's such a clear moment. like. And I was thinking <laughs> that like, I remember exactly a, a similar situation where like suddenly you have this moment of awareness around like what you look like, right? So in England, there was this TV show called um, The Clothes Show. So it was all about like fashion and catwalks and, you know, latest trends. I used to love watching it. And they had like the Clothes Show Live, which was sort of an event that went around big conference centers and they'd have like lots of booths and they'd have like catwalk shows and stuff. And we went there as a school field trip, I guess. Ow, I just squeezed my broken toe. Sorry. <laughs> um, Other update <laughs> listeners, Hannah broke her toe. <laughs> um so we went there as like a school field trip and, you know, there were obviously, you know, model scouts walking around these places and, and I remember thinking to myself, gosh, it's so, you know, it's so unfair that whenever I'm in these places, these like model scouts just aren't there. Cause at the time, you know, supermodel was a legitimate career to me. I was like, right. that seems like fun. You thought you'd I be mean, discovered? we'd travel the world and like wear all these weird clothes and get paid lots of money. So I'd kind of put it on the potential future career list. And it never even occurred to me that to be a supermodel came with a certain set of requirements, like height <laughs> and being there rather thin and, you know, having a certain look. And so I went from sort of thinking, oh, it's just, you know, they weren't there when I was there to going, oh, God, what if they were? And they just didn't and want it's just me? <laughs> not me. And it's such a sort of weird thing. So when you suddenly have that awareness, and I thought it was interesting to hear it from a guy, and and the way he was saying on his podcast, he kind of was just like, "Oh shit, got a big nose." Oh well. Now what? Yeah. And then for me, <laughs> when I realized, like, "Oh shit," maybe there was plenty of like supermodel scouts, and I'm just not right. It was much. It wasn't just like, "Oh well, never mind, move on. Let's like pick another be a career, fighter pilot." <laughs> it was just like, "Oh my gosh, I'm not that person." And then being a girl, I had to have a bit of an emotional meltdown about it and take it to heart and then feel like hmm. I was ugly and short and fat for many weeks afterwards. So I was just curious to ask you if you ever had that moment wow. of realization where suddenly you're like, you've been going through life thinking that everything's great and everything's fine and all of a sudden it's like, bam, slap in the face. 
you know, weirdly, I wouldn't have thought I had ever also considered a supermodel career. Um, but when you started telling that story, I feel like I had a similar notion um, as a kid that like, I don't think it wasn't related to like catwalks, supermodel kind of stuff, but definitely related to like people on the covers of magazines. Cause there was like teen, there were all these teen magazines, like big bopper and teen Vogue, I think was probably around there back then too. Um, and I do remember thinking that people got like discovered in random places. Like mm-hmm. there was this lore around like, oh, I was just at a coffee shop and and this this scout approached, you know, if it's a kid or, you know, a teenager, it's like, oh, approached me and my mom and was like, you'd be great for Teen Vogue or something. Um, so that just weirdly sparked memories. Uh, I don't remember any particular incidents where I was sort of uh, disabused of that notion that like I would not fit. Uh, but for me, it was definitely in sports. Like, I remember when I started playing volleyball, there was distinctively between starting to play in middle school and then moving to the high school team and playing junior varsity and then varsity. I remember specifically when I was moved from an all-around player, meaning I played in the front row and the back row, to being a back row player. And it was like, because you are short and thick like and I was like oh people who are short like it was like kind of this growing notion that like people who are short don't do certain things in sports um and that was also the years I think we've talked about on the podcast before the years where uh I was also being asked to then go from wearing shorts to wearing biker shorts to wearing like underwear they called them bloomers in volleyball and that was what I became aware of that, like, oh, my legs are just too big for any of this. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Yeah, no, I just thought that was fascinating. I was like, huh. And it definitely lasted. I mean, I wish I had had the resiliency that that guy had to be like, oh, interesting. Move Got on. a big nose. Moving on now. Never mind. And I mean, that's something I would love to like get a male guest on to talk about, you know, is it the case that. Is it like a male reaction where they kind of just be like, yeah, cool, whatever. But secretly deep down, there's a bit more like, oh, man. Yeah. Or whether it literally is for many, not all, because we're all different. Mm-hmm. But for many guys, if it is like, oh, well, shit yeah. all I can do about it unless I want to get surgery. So move on. And if it's something specific to like, because it was, say, his nose. Right. Because we have talked before, too, about the like the amount of kind of. Uh, insecurity a lot of men have around losing their hair. Mm-hmm. So if something like, uh, like if someone had commented on his receding hairline, would that have been different than commenting on his nose? Right? Because there's yeah. always things. Like for me, like the size of my thighs, like having thunder thighs or like thick legs, like that. that's something that sticks out as a body part in my memory of, yeah, kind of, Learning that how my body was a little bit different. So I don't know. Maybe receding hairline would have been worse for him than nose. There you go. (laughs) Let us know. Um, So today we were thinking of chatting about a topic that actually my dear husband suggested um, about what happens when you are on a very different track to your partner or you have just like very different goals And that plays out with leading somewhat different lifestyles and you live under the same roof and 
how do you navigate kind of just outlook and eating and grocery shopping and being non-judgmental and supportive and things like that. So, yeah, interesting topic. Very relevant topic to me as well. My, I think I mentioned to my partner that, that we were going to talk about this as well. And, and he was uh, definitely like, yes, that is an interesting topic. <laughs> and it's one, and I want to start out, because I know like family members listen to this, that like at no point is anything said meant to be like a criticism or a judgment of anybody it's just sort of like observations and like experiences and and I feel like the pandemic really sort of highlighted different directions that that people went in and part of that's like how people handle you know that kind of a situation so um like for us for for me as a former pro sailor having spent days and weeks and sometimes over a month stuck at sea on a boat in a small space being cold wet and miserable a lot of the time being told you have to stay inside your home and you know and not really even that because we could still go outside and walk and we live in a place with a climate that allows you to do that pretty much 365 days a year yeah to me like very lucky the, the it was there was obviously kind of an emotional weight where everything feels weird like the day I went to the grocery store and there was no toilet paper and there was no anti-back wipes and people were looking at each other like, is it you? Are you the one that has it? That was like a day that kind of was like, I went home and I had it sort of like, whoo, what is this? And all of a sudden, like, you know, I'm acutely aware that I live 6,000 miles away from my family, but that distance felt that much greater given that getting there was almost impossible at one point. Yeah. Um, But having to stay at home and like not having access to my gym and things like that did not really bother me that much. You know, I'm very lucky and I totally appreciate that I am very lucky and privileged to have a warm, comfortable home um, with TVs and reasonably fast internet. And I have, (laughs) I had like some equipment to be able to work with in a space outside that I could do that workout in. Um, And I know that's not the same for everybody, but like for me, it never occurred to me to stop doing what I usually do, to stop living my life and making the choices that I'd usually make. Um, Yes, I probably drank some more wine in the evening just because, you know, it was something to do. We all did. (laughs) But like at no point was it like an outrageous amount of alcohol. At no point was I suddenly like, to hell with it, I'm just going to eat myself senseless and I'm going to stop working out and, you know, and just let myself go. Yeah, sure. Workout intensity was a little different um, because there's only so much you can do in a carport with a barbell and cars next to you that don't belong to you. That is very true. Um, CrossFit carport was a short gym. CrossFit (laughs) carport. And the neighbors were kind of like, what are you doing out there? Um, But so for me, like, I really didn't change physically much at all like maybe my level of fitness kind of just put got put on hold I didn't I wouldn't say I made any particular gains but like I'm the weirdo who voluntarily did an hour of burpees and sort of in that first summer of the pandemic did a 30-day clean eating no alcohol and like no processed foods and sugars or anything like that and and at the time my husband actually joined me for that he did that 30 days in the summer And, you know, and then after that, I feel like after that, when it looked like, oh, this thing is actually dragging on 
and you know, we're not suddenly going to get our usual lives back and we're not going to get our usual gym back and stuff like that. That's when, you know, in our household, I went one way and my husband went the other way. Hmm. Okay. And then living in that confined space is where it became kind of difficult when like I was looking at him going, what, what is wrong with you? Why won't you get up and work out? Like, why are you sinking into sort of like this, this despair almost? There's, you know, the world is still outside. We live in an amazing place. Let's, let's go, let's go. Um, and I probably, well, not probably, I definitely didn't try to kind of understand where like he was coming from. Because to me, it was like easy. It was just like, Suck it up, buttercup. Let's go. Keep calm. Carry on. You know, good, good old British approach. Um, I'm also not an emotional eater, and he is. Yeah. And I think that is a is a, a big difference. So we the pandemic put us in an interesting position. I it's really interesting hearing you recap that now. Like also thinking about how long that how long ago that was for us, um, because I would say. In our house, um, and this is probably a fun time to remind folks that um, we are neighbors and actually live in the exact same Mm -hmm. floor plan home. So when we talk about being stuck in small spaces during the pandemic, we had like the very same sort of spatial experience to that. Um, But I would say with us, it was almost the opposite of what you're describing. So my my hubby, uh, his life didn't change at all work-wise, even uh, early in the pandemic, like always an essential worker as he was in commercial construction and their work never stopped. And they also were very used to wearing masks all day, every day, because that's what you do in a lot of commercial construction spaces. Um, and he also, having been a you know lifelong coach and, and fitness professional for much longer than I have been, um, also was so disciplined like he was doing his gymnastics and and training like on our living room floor like it was not a huge deal um and so he you know his life didn't really change he was going to work and he was training um and I was the one who maybe uh yeah I mean maybe if that's what the 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 roles were reversed in the household where um I, it wasn't emotional eating, but it was definitely emotional drinking. Like I had, I work in an industry that was very responsive to the pandemic. So we were responsible for a lot of like emergency aid to students during that time. So I was also, I like started working like 14 hour days. Um, And I probably did like a bottle of wine a day for a good chunk of time. So I put on like the COVID-19 and it was probably all wine <laughs> that summer, <laughs> that first summer. Um, so it was really interesting to kind of hear you recap it because Jeff and I went through a very different thing. Like I was the one struggling to like maintain any kind of healthy routine. And part of that was work stress. Part of it was just the stress of the pandemic. Um, but also right around September, that changed for me, that first year of the pandemic, because that's when I started working with a nutrition coach. And so I think for us, our paths also diverged um, more related to food than fitness, probably, because that was my nutrition coaching start. So what made you decide, well, like, 
what made you decide to get that nutrition coach? Was there like a moment where you suddenly were like, oh my God, was it like this pandemic is not going away and the, the, if I carry on like this, it's going to be really hard to come back from, or was, was there like a definitive moment where you were like, damn, I have to change. Yeah. Yeah. And it was after, I mean, like the emergency like phase of my work had sort of ended by then. And that August is when we did the Teton Crest Trail in Wyoming. And it was a combination of sort of how I felt, how my body felt on that big backpacking trip, combined with like seeing pictures of myself on that backpacking trip. And I kind of came back from that in a bit of a slump like uh I didn't really want to train anymore and I kind of then yeah sort of saw myself in that light of like okay this is not sustainable like that trip didn't feel great because I was heavier and less trained than I wanted to be for that trip um so so yeah that like pretty clear after that I was like oh I am not in a great place I need to like start being curious about that. And so that was kind of what kicked off in September of 2020. Had it caused tensions in your household that you were going like one partner was pretty disciplined. One partner was starting to go like, not so much. Cause like in our household, for sure, like in, in the beginning, you know, it was the tension was between us was mostly created by just like personal space right right once yeah. we sort of sorted that out and so I got some separation for like my work because because my husband came obviously we were all home from work but he didn't have much to do um in terms of his work in a remote capacity whereas mine just carried on exactly the same as it had before so um initially there was more like kind of tension created just because of like space and like being productive, like doing something productive as a human in the day rather than just like watching TV or sitting around killing hours. Um, and, you know, we started out where we set ourselves a challenge of like we would both name a movement and we'd do like a hundred reps of that a day, like stuff you could do in the house, whether it was like yeah. lunges or air yeah. squats or push-ups. And we both stuck to it. But then like, you know, he started to taper off from that a little bit. And then in the end, like, like I stopped doing that too because I just ran out of hundreds of things to do. Was <laughs> getting a little ran bit out of it. different movements. But uh, <laughs> but then sort of you know, he it was I think it was summer twenty ten we did the clean eating thing, and he did really good, like really good at it. And then after that, I think like the reality of like this isn't going away, and then that's when our paths like really started to diverge. And like for him, it's actually kind of now just recently that he's kind of gotten to your point where you were like oh I'm sick of this not feeling I'm good. sick yeah. of this like I I know what feeling good about myself is and this is not it yeah but like that thing but in the beginning when I kind of saw the writing on the wall like with the coach's hat on you know your job is not to like tell somebody that they have to do something but right when the lines get blurred, because I'm not my husband's coach, like it's not up to me to tell him what to do, especially if it's something he doesn't necessarily want, it's got to come from within. And in the beginning, like those lines got blurred and I was just like, dude, come on, we got to go work out. We got to move. We got to <laughs> do some stuff. Let's eat the healthy food. And, and it just, it wasn't the right approach. 
because then that made him feel kind of backed into a corner and like I was judging him and thinking that he was kind of useless and then he's at home with not much to do in terms of work so then that feeling of like I'm I what is my purpose here just kind of accelerated so like had there been similar tensions between you two yeah I mean I I think this is great opportunity to say it's very true that it's it's hard to be your partner's coach or teacher in just about anything (laughs) like uh you know my uh my husband also a coach for a very long time kind of did programming for me for a number of years and it just the amount of like pushback I would give him just because he was my partner not because of anything actually related to the programming um it's just tricky so I get that um I think for us it wasn't, there wasn't so much tension in the exercising part, except like I was just feeling bad about myself. Like I was just watching him be so disciplined. He didn't put any pressure on me. Like he was definitely concerned at like my wine consumption rates and more just concerned that I was so stressed at work that I felt like that was something I needed. (laughs) Um, But you know, he definitely didn't, there wasn't, I never felt any pressure to sort of like exercise more it was more like get out more let's go for more walks and that was more for probably my mental health and general health rather than um yeah like I don't know if he he saw the way like my body was changing and what I ultimately like kind of was like oh I don't like what I see anymore um but food wise as soon as I made the switch to like okay I'm like dialing this in uh he just kind of fell right in line, like had no opinions about it. Like it was the pandemic, right? I was working at home. I was the one cooking everything. And I think he was just happy to have um, the like dinner made, right? Like, cool. Like you do all the cooking. Uh, Like I was going to do all the cooking. He did all the cleaning. That was like the routine we fell into in the pandemic. And so it was on me to make the food choices because I was the one also like needing to dial it in. Um, But yeah, there was never pushback. Not at, at that point. Definitely not. Because, like, I always found this kind of weird thing where, like, if, and, you know, I think that in terms of, like, my relationship and, like, the Dave's relationship with food and stuff during the pandemic, I am definitely, like, I have a role to play in, you know, his emotional eating because I... I didn't want to, I guess I was, at some level I was scared of like creating a space to be like, hey, how are you doing? Because like, I, I don't know, I didn't want to hear him say he was struggling. Because I felt like it was such a silly answer because I was like, why? Like, I just didn't really give him any space. I didn't understand why you would find it such a struggle when we have a comfortable home and we had access yeah. to food and we could go outside and walk and we live in a beautiful area. We weren't stuck at home in like domestic violence or, you know, or a big urban we didn't, city we where didn't, it was like Yeah, like we dark didn't lose our jobs. We weren't like about facing financial ruin. And I just felt like it is very typical of me to just be like kind of bullish about it, be like, suck it up, you're suck fine. Suck it up, yeah. And that's <laughs> that not is you. the that's response true. that like everybody needs and I still to this day and I will hold my hand up and admit that I find it difficult that people who you know live in a reasonable degree of comfort and didn't lose their jobs and didn't face any like didn't lose any 
relatives or loved ones to mm-hmm. the to the pandemic to 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 COVID. I I still find it difficult to be like, why is that such a monumental struggle? And a lot of people will be like, oh, what? How can you not understand that? <laughs> um, and you know, I'm trying to be like, I I definitely like became more compassionate as it went on, and you know, but but I guess like I, I'm fortunate in two ways just the way I'm wired and the experiences I've had in life that mean that that was not it was like weird kind of thinking what if I get this like what does it do to me or like what happens if somebody I know gets it well my biggest fear honestly was like what if we lose our jobs what the heck are we gonna do then because it's not like in the middle of a pandemic you can go out and just get another job right so so that was a stress but but back to sort of kind of like the food stuff is like if I had been honest open moment here if I had been more supportive and just created a space where it was okay for my partner to go like I'm really having a tough time with this and not feel yeah. like they were going to get told to suck it know, up <laughs> man up suck it up keep yeah. calm carry on or all those other things um then it probably also would have made you know our relationship better and then it would have been like a more fun to be like, hey, I'm going to go outside and just do a little workout. Right. Want to jump, jump in with me? me. Or yeah. let's go on a hike somewhere because, you know, we're going to be outside and that's fine. Um, and so I've definitely played a role in kind of enhancing that like emotional distress, I guess, because I was just like not willing to be like, tell me about it, like here's a space where you can tell me about how you feel and how the way you feel is now affecting the choices that you're making in terms of your your life and your well-being yeah and that I mean that makes a lot of sense to me like when when I was thinking about this topic and you know things we would share that would hopefully help you know listeners as well if they're struggling with the same things it's like what are the strategies you can use and that was one of the ones that I thought about um, with my partner and I is like just communication, right? Like through anything, mm-hmm. um, but especially I think if you're both working on different things or, or you know, one's not working at all on something and someone is like just communicating about like what, what that feels like and what that means for your daily routine. Because, um, I mean, we're talking about kind of 2020 now, but even today, like, my partner and I were in a slightly different situation, but it's kind of similar where he's actually now, we're both working on things, but they're very different. Like I'm working on um, kind of getting back into finding my routine around whether I'm counting macros, how I'm counting macros. Am I still looking for like body comp changes? Um, he is in a bodybuilding hypertrophy eat all the food <laughs> mode. So he's probably on a daily basis eating twice as much as me now so it's kind of a different thing we're like we're working toward different goals and now his goal kind of makes me jealous because like he's not at all worried about what he's consuming it's just as much as possible while he's you know in this phase um and so now that's hard for me whereas like two years ago he was super supportive he's like i'll just eat whatever you need to eat um and now we're like I need to make him twice as much food as me, (laughs) which is also weird. Like you brought up like kind of grocery shopping and all that kind of stuff. It's always weird when you're also like 
if there's any financial stress to be like, oh my God, like he eats twice as much as me. That's expensive. <laughs> so now we're in like a different Start phase Venmo of it. requesting each other over well, dinner. <laughs> and that exactly, right? Like this is like the, the where it comes back to communication. Because sometimes we have to have sort of awkward conversations about like, hey, so that huge grocery run you just did, that was literally all food for like your lunches for work. Like I'm not eating any of that. Yeah. Like maybe you cover that whole bill instead of us splitting it the way we do our groceries. Um, But like anything like that, whether it's talking about the goals, talking about like not doing well with, you know, stress or something, or just communicating about like money, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Like I, I eat a lot of like specialty protein foods and that's more expensive and I don't make him pay for any of that. Like, right. Yeah. Like that's, I, I tend to not put that in our split yeah. things too. But then if I discover he's been eating that, well, I'm like, right? oh, oh yeah. God, then I'm just like, don't eat that. all my like freaking <laughs> fuel for fires. I need those for my macro counting. But yeah. Like communication was definitely something that was awkward. And I don't doubt that suddenly everybody who like, is in a relationship, a partnership or whatever, who functions pretty well regularly that when you're forced into like being in the same space and suddenly forced communication, like all through the day when most of us, you know, are not together 24 seven, um, suddenly you're like, uh, I don't know what to do. And then if you fall out, there's like nowhere to hide unless you live in a mansion and we don't. So (laughs) you definitely can't hide in our tiny little condos. No room for that. So yeah, communication is, is a key. And then I was also thinking like, you know, one of the the key things that I learned as a coach is, you know, is like holding a space for someone, you know, and, mm. and it doesn't always have to be filled with words. And I think when we get like nervous or like we're desperately trying to like tease something out of somebody else, it's really easy to just like talk and like space is awkward, right? Right. Like fill, fill the, fill the awkwardness with can words be and babbling. Like, yeah. I'm going to put in like just filler. Filla, 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 filla. It's like eating shitty food just to fill you up because you need something now. Like, it's yeah. not a good yeah. choice. And, you know, for some people, they're going to be able to go like, yeah, I'm feeling really down today because blah. And some people are just going to be like, I I want to share it, but I just can't. And they need some space. And, like, I know, like, if I had done a better job or job at all of, like, allowing that space rather than, like, kind of, offering up an opportunity to respond. And if you don't respond, like, right, let's go outside and do an hour of burpees. Um, (laughs) Then that probably would have helped to take off some of like the emotional load. Like even if, and and I think a good way to understand it, because, you know, for, for somebody like me, and again, I'm probably making myself sound like an asshole, but for someone who's wired like me, who's not necessarily going to have a huge emotional response to things, possibly a delayed emotional response, possibly not at all. Um, but, you know, when, when it's difficult to understand, like, sometimes, you know, just creating that space and then being like, hey, I know it's difficult for you to share your feelings with me because... I'm not necessarily going to burst into tears and go, I get it. But it doesn't mean that I can't sort of empathize with you, like in another way. I may not share the same experience with you this exact in this exact situation, mm-hmm. but it, you know, I'm, I'm willing to listen and, you know, in my own time, like take that in. And, and I'm sure that at some point in my life, I have had an experience which is in somewhat relatable to that. And 
like what I think about like when I deal with clients, I have that available to me. I have that tool that, you know, yeah. that side of me available. But for some reason, like in terms of this, like I shut it down and was just kind of like, come on, Sergeant Major style, let's go. Let's go work out. Let's eat well. Let's not make crappy choices. And, but the more I did that, the more it was like, like a pile on. Yeah. I mean, I think that comes back to, you know, how it's really difficult to be your partner's coach or teacher, right? Like I, I've had similar conversations with my partner about how, um, I I don't know. I mean, I guess a lot of my work that I do professionally and volunteer wise is related to like, um, social justice and equity and like, but like really like leaning into like empathy and understanding what, you know, specific communities are going through and helping with that. And I've literally had my partner ask me like the compassion that you show to strangers is like more than the compassion you show to me as your partner. <laughs> and I was like, mm, shit, you're not wrong. Right. Like it's because that's a different, it's like a different part of me that is like doing that work. I'm sure it's the same, right. With coaching. Mm-hmm. And then, so it is interesting to be like challenged by that of like, oh yeah, like why are we, we're more patient, more compassionate. And in our, you know, our two partnerships here, three out of four of us are coaches of some kind now. Um, and actually if we throw in your husband, he's a teacher. So we kind of all have that experience probably where we're different with other people. Like I say the same thing back to my partner. I'm like, well, also like, oh, the way you treat so-and-so is so different than the way you treat me and it's just that's like I don't know if psychologists have ever fully explained that why like you can literally just turn to one person treat them one way turn back to your partner and all the values and like, like wait, are what? Just different like what happened to you I don't know is it just because long-term exposure and I don't know I don't know you start taking people for granted but but yes it, it all feels so familiar to be like you can't you ultimately can't be your partner's coach in the same way you can coach a stranger or a friend maybe and you know i think i think curiosity is an important thing but not like forced curiosity right and what i mean by that is like if for example like during the pandemic situation when i was like hey i'm gonna go and and do this workout you want to join me and the partner's like no not feeling it to kind of be like (laughs) oh you know is to be able to ask, like, sort of, you know, is there any reason right. why? But then if the partner is willing to be like, you know, because I'm just, just don't feel like it. Be like, okay. um, But but not like forced curiosity. We're like, but why not? Why not? Yeah. Why not? Tell me why. why? I mean, like, there's a time and a place for the five wise exercise. But when somebody right. is, like, having a tough time and really not wanting to be forced into the workout in the yeah. carport and you're going, why? 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 Then it forces them to withdraw even more. Yeah. And, you know, what's interesting now is that, like, two years later, you know, from that kind of first summer where it was like, we're, we're kind of still sort of, we're, we're just getting into this summertime, we got outside, everything's fine, we did the clean eating, and then, like, the ton of dive into winter where it's not so far, I mean, like, we live here, it's not that bad, but, like, you know, you're less inclined to want to be outside in the dark, in the cooler temperatures, working out, or going for walks, or stuff like that, but, like, Two years later, like my partner now on his very own terms is like, okay, I'm ready. Like I want to make changes. Like I want to feel good. Like I want to, you know, he's hurt his back a couple of times. So 
what he does now in terms of fitness looks different. He's mm-hmm. taken up a new sport and become. I'm I'm impressed. Oh yeah, oh, it's um, very impressive what he's done. Um, the, yeah, that's that's really impressive. That by finding something he was passionate about, um, because you know, endless dumbbell movements in a carport gets effing boring, <laughs> and you do have to have that kind of like weird mindset of just like turn it off and go. Oh yeah, you, you are like you are better at that routine. than the rest of us of just like just grind it out whatever you get just do it and because <laughs> i kind of thrive in that sort of environment but you know others really yeah, don't very few people really thrive and so there. like on his own terms without any pressure for me because i finally i think the penny dropped finally toward the end of 2021 where i was just like back off just back off like he mm-hmm. he hurt his back we spent like eight hours in the er that was like you know it was a difficult time because all of a sudden you know Possibly just getting back into CrossFit was now like, well, there goes that. That's never happened, yeah. And to his credit, rather than kind of go, oh, this is an emotional time. I'm going to feed my my sorrow with, you know, things that make me feel good in the moment, which is generally gonna, gonna, not going to lead to long-term happiness, just yeah. very short-term happiness. He actually, it was sort of the catalyst to get into something that he loved to do. And now he's doing something fun and cool and getting better at it he's starting to dip a toe back into crossfit and it's not going to look the same as it once did but he's there yeah and this is all coming from him not driven by some pushy ass wife going come on (laughs) let's go let's go so how is that how has that changed things for you like what's your plan like it makes me like just hearing him care and be like I want to feel good Mm -hmm. and I want to like how I look and I want you know I just want to move better like that's exciting and just hearing that coming from him not seeing him kind of like forcefully saying yeah cool yeah I'll do it whatever just thinking to try and please me like it gives me a lot of hope and it makes me smile and it makes me excited that you know he's wanting to take care of himself and wanting to look after himself and wanting to learn to love himself again. Like there's Mm -hmm. nothing nicer than when you see somebody be proud of themselves, you know, like put on an outfit to go out for dinner and they're like, damn, I look good. Or, you know, come home from hockey, even if it is 1am and I have to get told about the goals and I'm trying to sleep, I'm like, ah! That's part of what supporting a hockey player looks like here is that sometimes their games don't start till 10pm. But you know, like, that big kind of wake up call for me was like, this this is somebody who can very easily Mm self-sabotage. But by giving them the space and just being supportive, like, even if it's baby steps, right? Like, not everybody, and this will be a lifelong journey for me, not everybody is like me. Yeah. And that doesn't mean they're wrong. It just means that they're on their own path. And I know that sounds really arrogant, but it's just like, for me, it's really easy to be disciplined. Like for, for right. your partner, it's very yeah. easy to be disciplined. So easy. It's very yeah. easy to just go out there and do it because that's what you have to do every day. Yep. And sometimes that's problematic because it's you start to forget that there should be joy in these things because... I'm not training to be a professional at anything anymore. I did that in sailing. I'm not going to be a professional crossfitter. Yeah. For a couple of years anyway. For a while. <laughs> for 20 Still years. Still got to get to the game we'll get in 60. There. But. 
And, and, you know, being that kind of person that can turn on that extreme discipline and just, mm-hmm. you know, be totally fine with the fact the world's closing in around them and, you know, that's perfectly normal. Like, that is as extreme as somebody who goes, oh, gosh, I feel unstable. Give me the chocolate. Yeah. And it really is. It's like being the way I am wired is not better than being somebody who feels every emotion in this kind of crazy heightened sense. Like in, in some ways it's kind of the same thing, right? Like, but when I feel kind of any sort of like emotion or turmoil or whatever's going on inside, I will turn to extreme discipline to manage it. Yes. Which is yes. how I managed to have an eating disorder. Right. Exactly. That like goes back to he's on the other side, which is like emotional turmoil. I'm going to like, bury myself in things that make me feel comfortable and bring me joy in the heartbeat and so like it's it's not that different it's just like the out and the outcomes in terms of health and body image can both be as extreme just right like they can both directions. be destructive or and so yeah. this was a really fascinating yeah. time for two people that have that ability to kind of self-destruct but in opposite ways <laughs> trying to find a middle ground yeah and honestly i think that our understanding of one another, certainly my understanding of that other extreme is grown so much mm-hmm. in this. And like from what I'm hearing and seeing my husband do and the changes he's starting to make, you know, slow and steady and just showing up and doing his thing and trying to find joy mm-hmm. in sports and in training and in eating well and turn it into a lifestyle rather than a chore. Like it's so fun to watch. It is so much more fun and so much more satisfying than if he's doing something just because I was like, come on, yeah, let's go. Well, I mean, it's also, I mean, I, I feel like that must be really interesting for you to like put your coach's hat on with, right? Because like he's also teaching you a lot about potentially what it would be like. I mean, you could very conceivably have a client who's exactly like your husband mm-hmm. in that sense, right? And you would probably naturally treat them differently than you've treated him but also now with this like he's giving you that perspective that hopefully will like right like inform other coaching um but i mean yeah when you were kind of talking about like it is fascinating to like what what triggers you both to like do really different things and i i think when you're thinking about yeah like how to support a partner um, and this could extend also to probably like just really close friends, like people, you know, we support each other and I guess lots of things, um, lots of relationships, but because you know someone so well is usually like, you do know what their triggers are. And so you either take them for granted or like, sometimes you can like push those buttons. And I was thinking about with where I'm at now with my husband and, um, the, the, like him eating a lot more food when I have in the past kind of teased him about how much he eats or anything like that, like it actually triggers weird things in him that I did not fully appreciate initially. Like, you know, he's comes from a pretty big family with like four, they're like four siblings. And like, he like, when we talk about even like buying groceries and food consumption, like he's triggered back to like being a kid and never really knowing if there's like enough food because like his brothers might eat it all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, there's weird things like that, that, you know, sometimes I don't think about when I'm being very practical about like, Oh my God, our grocery bill, like we've gone way over our budget. We got to figure that out. But I also want him to 
eat the way he wants to eat and eat enough to like sustain his lifestyle because he also has like a massively you know physical job Mm -hmm. in addition to training so it's like I want him to be healthy and happy and thrive and be well fueled Um, but I do have to remind myself about those triggers like they're Mm -hmm. totally different than your husband's triggers but we all have triggers that send us somewhere else um, and they come up when you're not always expecting them so and I think the biggest the biggest surprise for me to come out of those like couple of years was just the actually, you know, the the extremes for either one of us is not fun. Right. Like when I'm into super discipline mode, and yeah, it keeps me fit and it keeps me kind of like on track and not like suddenly going, oh shit, I gotta lose twenty pounds. I just put on, but it's not fun. Like I'm not in a good place when I'm at the extremes of my discipline. Just in the same way that somebody who's an emotional eater is not in a good happy place when you know they've just pounded a pint of ice cream and then like. <laughs> sitting there going yeah. why did I do that yeah you know it's kind of it's, it's same same but different you know yeah and so what like I learned and like you made a good point you know like because I don't, I don't want anyone who like I coach listening to this going oh my god she must be judging me right it is very different the it is very different <laughs> when you're suddenly like looking at that person that you're spending yeah. the rest of your life with going oh my god then somebody who is connected to you but there's like there's mm-hmm. that invisible wall where it's like right our choices are not like twined together. You know, the outcomes of what you do doesn't affect me on a daily basis. Yeah. It's like when you're living with somebody, it's like, especially when you're married, like every time they do something, which is not in line with what you do, it's like, Oh God, this is forever. Um, but I think like from all of these experiences of extremes in opposite directions has come like this discovered the joy of being like truly supportive of, little things Hmm. and like you mentioned being supportive with partners at the beginning of the pandemic I was a horrible partner like I really wasn't supportive unless you were towing the line with my lifestyle right because that was you coping because I was also like terrified in your own way yeah like I'm not willing to let to compromise my lifestyle yeah um so isn't it? It's definitely interesting um, and surprising what's come out of it. But like seeing my partner just do little things now and like find joy in like making healthy choices or start a new sport yeah. and like put himself out there on a team sport that's wearing blades on your feet and going from <laughs> staggering around an ice rink to like scoring goals and being proud I mean that's freaking awesome yeah and that's cool and it's definitely made me a much more like just overall compassionate person because it's, it's fun like we're watching a transformation here happen with Hannah y'all <laughs> a few years ago I would have said I was going soft but right exactly she's going <laughs> soft it's it's wonderful um so yeah no point is was any of what we're seeing and like we said this is going to be a little shorter one this is not like judgment or an attack or anything yeah. on anybody it's just straight up honesty yeah. and like I said it comes down to communication it comes down to holding a space it comes down to like if you're identifying somebody else's faults or issues or extremes then maybe it's the time to kind of take a look at yourself too because yeah. like we all have our triggers and we all have our extremes and we all have our responses and none of them are wrong yeah all right it's just how we deal And I think one of the things you said I just want to pick up on because it was really interesting of like the way the way we we 
judge a situation, right? Just evaluate it when it's our partner versus someone else is because it's like, oh my God, this is forever. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's a really interesting point, right? Like, um, and that's probably why we can support friends and colleagues and even strangers in a different way is mm-hmm. because like their decisions aren't tied to our lives the way that like our partners are, right? Like it's like, okay, we've signed up for a lifetime together. Um, so every choice can sort of be made to be like about both partners. Um, and I think it is just like one of my favorite mantras and phrases is just like, nothing is ever everything. Mm-hmm. And like that applies to like decisions and time. And, you know, so just to think about like you and your partner and where y'all were at two, two and a half years ago and now how different that looks now, like we're always changing. And like, mm-hmm. you know, some people say people can't change. I really like growth mindset is definitely a better place to be. And, and so I think, you know, maybe that, yeah, like communication is probably the most important thing we've talked about. Cause I feel like that's where you get reminded of the fact that like, oh yeah, this is a different person sitting in front of me that was than the person two years ago or the person five years ago. And they'll probably circle back to the same things at some point. Um, so yeah, like kind of keeping that mindset of like, even though our partners probably feel more connected, their choices to our choices, it's, um, yeah, it's going to be like a constantly evolving journey with them, I guess. <laughs> so yeah, open mind, growth mindset. I love that. And, and knowing that, you know, people can deal with things in different ways and that's okay. Yeah. And there's always lessons to learn in there and minds will change, opinions will change, thoughts will change, bodies will change. And all of that is just part of our journey and it's part of life. And I don't wish the pandemic again on anyone. <laughs> right? Hopefully we won't have to deal with this particular but scenario again. in but... some ways, the lessons that we, like my relationship learned from it are so valuable. Yeah. It sounds like it. I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's great to kind of hear that. And yeah, I'm excited to see what's next for us and all our partners of us. now <laughs> like all of us and if you need any carport workouts <laughs> let us know we got them we got the carport ones love it well thank you for listening again sorry it was a little shorter but you know time was crazy today uh we will be back in a couple of weeks with a review of some morning chalk up articles that have Ooh, come yeah. out about women's like various contrib- female contributors to to their stories and their podcasts about how they felt about their bodies, how they've been judged for their various different physiques. So that'll be a good one too. That could be some listener homework. If, listener if you, homework. Between now and our next episode, if you want to check those out, just look at uh, Morning Chalk Up. All right. Thanks for listening and we will talk to you soon.